888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Summer from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. I'm on the line with none other than Steve Chu from MyWifeQuitHerJob.com who decided to take charge of his life when his wife became pregnant. She wanted to quit her job, but they had to survive. So they started an online store called Bumblebee Linens that ended up replacing his wife's six-figure salary within one year. This is an e-commerce store that sells handkerchiefs and linens on spe- for special occasions. Now, as a blogger, I've gotten very much into digital products. In my mind, they're simple. But when it comes to physical products, it seems like an entirely different ball game. So I thought I'd bring Steve on here to talk about how to make money selling physical products. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Steve, how you doing, man? Pretty good. That was quite the intro. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, well, I'm glad you enjoyed. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm excited to talk about this with you today. This For the listeners, this is episode 247. So anything that we mention in this episode, you can come to the show notes at becomeablogger.com slash 247 to get access to it. So we're going to get into some interesting stuff because you're dealing with physical products. You deal with a lot. But one of the things that you do deal with is physical products. And I'm excited to learn a little more about that. But before we go into that, I know that Steve has a quick tip for us. So let's go on with that quick tip. All right. So this is where we share one quick tip that can have an impact in your business and make your life a little easier. Steve, what do you have for us today? Yeah. So instead of just like a regular old tip that you probably get all the time, like starting your list and all that stuff, uh, one tool that I use for my business is I use Adobe Photoshop very heavily for for outreach, for networking. So what I usually do huh. is I will take someone who I want to get to know after a couple of emails have been exchanged. I will superimpose someone's face <laughs> onto someone else's face in some sort of scene that kind of relates to a conversation that we've had. And then I'll write a fake press release about that person and send it out. So it makes like the whole communication much more memorable. Whoa, so that's, whoa. that's that's my one tip. That I is can show a, you examples later. I yeah. want to see examples. I want to post an example in this episode because that's interesting. It's a, So it's kind of like a way of standing out from the crowd, right? That's correct. All right. I love it. Thank you so much for that quick tip. Okay. So I, I, I got to think, first of all, Bumblebee Linens. Let's talk. I want to talk first about the name. Where did the name come from? Yeah. So Bumblebee Linens. So my wife got laser eye surgery, huh. and for like a couple of weeks, she had to wear like these little goggles <laughs> that were like bugged out. And so for a long time, I was calling her my Bumblebee. 
And that's kind of how we got the name. Yeah, it was supposed to be Lavender Linens, but that URL ended up being taken. So we went with Bumblebee instead. I knew there'd be an interesting story to this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's awesome. I love it. Okay, so let's let's kind of rewind. Your, your, what were you doing when your wife, when you guys decided that, okay, your wife should quit her job? What were you doing at that time? Yeah, so I was, I'm, I was working at, as a microprocessor designer, and my wife was working... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, a micro what? Say that again? Microprocessor design. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then my wife was in finance at a Fortune 500 company. Okay, so she's... I mean, this is a, a relatively secure job that she's working at. Very secure, yes. Okay, and you're working, um, uh, doing this microprocessor thing, and and um, what what was going on where you know she made this decision that, okay... I think I want to quit my job, or you guys made that decision together. Well, yeah, so it happened much earlier than that. While we were dating, actually, she said as soon as we she became pregnant, she was going to quit her job, you know, as soon as the child was born, okay, because she wanted to stay at home with the, with the kid, which is perfectly fine. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And so when it came time, uh, you know, it was no surprise to me. Okay. Um, it, it terrified me because we live in this area where real estate is really expensive. Uh-huh. If you want to get a house in a good school district, everyone here has two incomes. Everyone does. Got it. So unless you don't want, unless you want to make significant sacrifices, you pretty much need something. Okay. So you guys already established that when she got pregnant, she wanted to leave her job so that she can be at home. Awesome stuff. Um, at, at, but were you doing things beforehand to make that a reality in terms of did you when did you start your business? Was this something that you guys were building? Um, what, what was going on at the time there? Yeah, so we actually didn't start working on it until she became pregnant, which basically gave oh, us wow. about a year to, uh, you know, if you count nine months of pregnancy plus maternity leave, it uh-huh. ends up being about a year. But we actually kind of stumbled into our niche way before that when we got married. And the way that happened was when my wife and I got married, we paid a lot of money for photography. And she knew she was going to cry at the altar. Of course. And she did not want to be seen taking photos with like these nasty tissues dabbing her eye for the photos. Ah. So she, we looked everywhere for handkerchiefs. We could not find any online. And instead, what ended up happening is we found this manufacturer in China. Okay. But we had to buy a whole bunch. But it was the only place we could find them. So we bought a whole bunch, imported them from China. And we only used maybe six, and then we sold the rest on eBay, and they sold really quickly. Ah. And so when it came time again, when we were brainstorming different ideas, kind of got back in touch with that vendor, and then started our online store. Okay, so um, she's working throughout her pregnancy. Is is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so she's working at her job throughout her pregnancy, but way before that, you guys had this idea because of this experience you had. Now, how how long before the pregnancy did you guys get married? Yeah, so it was actually three years after. Okay, so three years before that, you guys had this idea because, well, obviously you wanted something and you had more of it. You sold it on eBay. It did extremely well. So were you thinking along those three years that, okay, when we do start this business, it's going to be selling these handkerchiefs? No, actually, you know, we didn't. For those three years, we weren't thinking about starting a business at all. You weren't thinking about it. Oh, yeah, so- it's just when we were brainstorming, we were like, hey, remember that time when we bought like <laughs> 300 handkerchiefs from China, you know, and sold them on eBay? Maybe we can do that again. Now, now were, were you um, evaluating multiple different ideas? Yes, or okay, we were actually. What so were some of some the of- ideas that got like pushed to the side? 
Yeah, so we were thinking about starting a Kumans. I don't know if you know what that is. No, what's but that? It's basically a place where kids can get extra tutoring, so to speak, ah. to prepare them for school and that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, we looked at opening a Dream Dinners, which you probably never heard of either. Nope. But it's a place where people go and they prepare their food in freezer bags for for to prepare for dinner. Oh. So it's kind of like, you know, Aaron Chase, right? She yeah, does $5 yeah, yeah, dinners. Yeah, yeah. $5 Same dinners. thing, except you go to a place, you pack all your meals for the week, and then you take them home in your freezer, and they can be prepared in like five minutes. I could use that. If you guys start that, you know, come to my area, I could that, I could see that being very useful. <laughs> okay, so, you, so those are some of the ideas that got scrapped, but you guys are uh, decided. What made you decide this as opposed to the other ideas? Is it because it worked when you guys, you know, just stumbled onto it back then? No, so the whole online model worked well because ideally she wanted something that she could do at home uh. and off hours, like after the kids were asleep, essentially. And doing something online just made sense because you could have a computer server take orders for you all day, and then at night you could fulfill them. Okay, so I'm reading, I read through your about page on mywifequitherjob.com, and one of the things that really stood out was the first section where you were just talking about how lazy you were or something of that sort. Yes, that uh, has not changed, Leslie. Explain to me <laughs> what this means. How, how does someone that's lazy accomplish this? But first of all, what do you mean by, okay, I was just lazy? What does that mean? So actually, at the time, laziness, the way I defined it was, we would basically wake up in the morning, we would both go to work, uh-huh. then we'd come home, eat dinner, watch TV for however many hours it was, <laughs> and then we'd go to bed, and that would be our day every single day. We weren't really learning anything, we weren't really doing anything, it Got was it. just kind of stagnant, you know what I mean? Gotcha. So, it was so kind that's of what like I the mean default. by laziness. It was kind of the default, just, you're just going along, coasting. not coasting. Do, coasting. That, okay, that's a good, that's a good, I like that better than lazy. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I got you. Okay, so you guys are coasting. Now she is pregnant. Mm-hmm. What are the emotions that are going on right now? Hey, you just had your first child, right? Oh, Leslie? I know. That's exactly yeah. why I'm asking to see if I'm alone or not. <laughs> What's going on in your mind? So, I'm terrified because, you know, when when it's just the two of you, it's pretty easy to take yeah. care of yourself, yeah. right? You can survive. And, yeah. And all of a sudden, when a child comes into play, you got to think about college. You got to mm. think about getting a house. You got to think about, you know, education and providing for that person, preparing a new room, getting clothes, another mouth to feed, all those things, right? Yeah. Terrifying. Definitely. Okay. So let me ask this. Who's the risk taker in your family? Is there a risk taker? Is it both of you? Is it just one? We're actually both not risk takers at all. Really? Um, we're, we're both quite conservative, actually. And so I wouldn't actually classify doing an online business as risky because we only risked $630 to start the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay, so both of you are kind of conservative. But still, I could imagine if there's a little one that's coming and you got a job that's paying you well and you want to leave that job and do something where, well, you know, the, the world considers it risky. Um, how do you how, how do you go for I, I, I'm just remembering myself when I left my job. I remember one day I was leaving my 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 uh, lab. I, I was an anatomy professor, and I was leaving the anatomy lab, and I was walking to my car. This was about a month before I left my job, 
And then all of a sudden, I just started to freak out because it's kind of like, man, I'm leaving a secure job and you just never know what can happen in business. Things could just fall apart. And yet, and I just really freaked out for a little while and I had to really catch myself. Did you have any of that going on in that transition? So here's the thing. So I was still working. I okay. could have lived on my own income. Okay. We just had to cut back. And then two, the second factor, which you didn't probably know about is she hated her job. She was more than eager to get out of there. Gotcha. So the combination of those factors, it wasn't hard for her at all. Mm-hmm. And worst case scenario, uh, we could have lived in my income. And even worst case scenario, if I got laid off, she could go back to work, right? So there's got no it. risk there inherently. Got it, got it. Um, now, are you are you fully online business now or are you still uh, working at the job that you were working at before? I'm still designing microprocessors, but it is a very small portion of the household income. Gotcha. Okay, so the bigger part is what you do online. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this process of going from um, her working to now you starting this business. When you guys started, decided to start the business, um, at what point during the pregnancy was it or was it after the pregnancy? It was pretty much as soon as we saw the stick, <laughs> I started freaking out and we was like, okay, we got to do something that, you know, if you're going to time quit. to get off our butts. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> All right. So you guys decided to start now. Who was the one that uh, was there? One of you that was primarily involved in getting it started. Was it both of you? It was both of us, and we kind of split the duties. So being the more technical one, I worked on all the website stuff and all the marketing and and, and that sort of thing. And my wife was basically in charge of product and getting everything together. Gotcha. Okay, so now fast forward today. We're going to go back again, but let's fast forward today. How are things going with your business? I I saw a report that you had on your your site, and it kind of blew me away. So I I need to hear it from, from you. How are things going today? So I actually haven't published the e-commerce store income report yet. That's coming out next week. The one I just published was my blog, My Wife Quit Her Jobs Income Report. Got it. Uh, So the online store, which you'll find it next week, but so we did six figures in profit in our first year, and this was back in 2007 to 2008. Oh, wow. And it's been growing in the double and triple digits ever since then. So it's been however many years now, long time. Yep, eight years. (laughs) And then... Yeah. So the other business, which we haven't even talked about yet, is is my blog. And uh, I just published an income report that just... So the blog just made $700,000 last year in 2015. Okay. So that's a lot of money. <laughs> so obviously things are doing well. Um, you guys have well, basically two six-figure businesses. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the physical product side is still going well. It's going stronger today than it was back then. Oh, yeah. For sure. Growing in the double and triple digits every year. Love it. Love it. Okay. So now... We we have a good idea of the backstory. Now, I want to find out a little about the process because mm-hmm. let's say I am a blogger and I am thinking to myself, you know what? I want to start a, 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 a part of my business where I'm selling physical products. Now, full disclosure, I personally have absolutely no idea where I would start which is why you are here. So let's, let's, let's talk through this process. Where do I start if I have maybe an idea for a physical product or I'm just thinking, you know what, maybe I should explore this physical product concept? Okay, so first of all, are we talking from the perspective of you have an audience already or are you starting from complete scratch? Let's go with your starting from complete scratch. Okay. Let's start okay. with that. And we can talk a little bit about, you know, if you have an audience. Because if you're starting from scratch, 
I think some of those principles, a lot of those principles are going to apply if you have an audience. It's just going to be, you, you have people to sell it to already. Yeah. So the number one way I actually advise, so I teach a class on this. Oh, okay. And the number one way I kind of have been advising people to proceed is to go the importing route. Okay. Because the, the goods that you can get from overseas tend to be a lot cheaper and then the margins are a lot higher. But even before you even think about that, you have to you have to do the niche research process, right? You okay. got to figure out what you want to sell, and there's obviously tools that allow you to do this. Okay, and so, so so how do you how do you go about doing that research? Yeah, so first of all, you kind of have to have some sort of idea in mind, uh, anything, right? Okay. So usually, what I do is right now, like a lot of people, at least in the U.S., they do all their shopping on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So you can actually go on Amazon and you can figure out how much every seller is making on each product approximately. There's tools that allow you to do this. One of my favorite tools is called Jungle Scout. Okay. And uh, I probably can't share my screen here, but basically what it allows you to do is as you're surfing Amazon, you can click on a button and it'll tell you how much a seller or a a specific product is making in a given month. Oh, wow. Okay. So So you're saying if I have an idea for a product that's already being sold... I can go to Amazon and search for that product or products like it mm-hmm. and see how much the sellers are making selling that specific product that using Jungle Scout. That is correct, yes. And is Jungle Scout a paid a service? It's a paid tool. It's, it's a, a paid, paid tool, tool yes. Okay. But obviously, it's very worth it if you, can, if you can get that kind of data. Yes, absolutely. And then another tool I like to use, it's called Terapeak. Um, we started how do you, out. How do you spell it? that? First of all, Terapeak, uh, T-E-R-A-P-E-A-K. P-E-A-K. Okay. And that tool is similar. Um, it scrapes all the eBay listings, and these okay. are like real sales on eBay. You can you can see all the completed listings. Scrapes it for you, puts it, collates it nicely for you, and you, and you can see what's selling. They also group all the products based on sales. So you can look at broad categories, like let's say you want to sell pet supplies. It'll tell you which pet supplies are selling the best. Okay. And so these are just some ways to brainstorm. So, so it seems like this brainstorming process is very specific because you're, you're not just, okay, when, I, when I'm brainstorming, I'm taking a piece of paper and I'm just writing down a few ideas. But in this case, you're doing specific research and getting data, letting you know exactly how much money is being made by these different yes. sellers that are doing this. Yes, it's important to get data because uh, you don't want – we're dealing with physical products, not digital yeah. products, right? So the worst thing that can happen is you import a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't sell, right? Now, when you're looking at these individuals that are selling on Amazon and they're making a certain amount of money, it looks good. Do you also kind of uh, do some more research on the seller, like look at how long they've been doing it to reach to that point or anything of that sort? Yeah. So on Amazon, the way it works is you can kind of judge the strength of a seller based on the number of reviews that that particular product has been getting. And a lot of it just has to do with that. Um, You look at the number of reviews on everything in the front page and you see basically, you know, judging on whether you can actually overtake those guys based on how entrenched their, their products are. Gotcha. So you're looking at a combination of how much they're making but how strong they are and making a determination of, of whether you think you can come into that market and mm-hmm. compete. That's correct. And the other thing I also look at is the number of sellers selling that type of product. Okay. Because you don't want it to be like 100,000, for example. Okay. I like to see it less than 1,000 sellers selling a particular product that I want to sell. Oh, that's very interesting. So not a lot of competition in that 
it's not a ton of people selling it, but you can see how much they're making. And then based on those two things and also looking at reviews to see how strong they are and so on and so forth, That's you correct. can get a good understanding of how, how well I could potentially do in this niche. That's correct. Nice. Okay, so you do that with a number of different ideas maybe, and you find something that, okay, this looks like it's a market that I can get into. Mm-hmm. Where do I go from there? Okay, so I forgot to tell about the, the third piece. Okay. Which is, um, you can just because you do research on a particular marketplace doesn't mean that the demand is going to be there for your own store as well. Every marketplace has its own distinct set of people that shop there. So, okay. for example, I do a lot of shopping on Amazon, uh-huh. but I never go on eBay Got it. to do any shopping. Got it. So, ultimately, your ultimate goal is going to be to start your own branded online store. Okay. Got so, it. The last piece that I kind of do is I do keyword research on the products that I want to sell. Okay. And I I use a tool called Longtail Pro, but you can actually get by using the keyword planner. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with that. But I I want to get an idea of the search demand for that product as well. Okay. And how well, how easy it is to rank for those keywords. And so once you're not going to find like the ideal product that fits all those criteria, Mm -hmm. but the idea is that if you're going to be importing a whole bunch of stuff over, you want to make sure that, one, you can liquidate it in case things go wrong. Uh, you can sell it on Amazon because it is a very large marketplace. And then you want to be able to feasibly be able to sell it on your own store, which is going to be your ultimate goal, right? You want to own your own property. Okay, So, so with all that said, uh-huh. uh, let's move on to the next step. Okay, is- wait, wait, before we even move on to that, because this, this okay. is very interesting. It's kind of like a progression. Um, first, you want to be able to liquidate it. You want to also be able to sell it on Amazon. But then ultimately, we're looking at building our own property. It's, it, it sounds like you're almost – it almost sounds like you're saying Amazon is kind of like a, a testing ground for yes. what could potentially happen down the line where you have your own you know, BumblebeeLinens.com or something of that sort. Both eBay and Amazon are testing eBay grounds, although Amazon. you could easily make a full-time living – selling on Amazon by itself. Got it. Okay. It's not as secure, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, we understand the researching process. Of course, there's probably more involved and I'm I'm sure that you're going to have some resources that they can check out after the fact. Um now where do we go from here? Okay. So, you have something you want to sell. Next step is to look for vendors. Okay. Okay. Now, you can go a whole bunch of different routes. For example, you don't have to go overseas. You can, you can look for wholesalers in the U.S., but as I mentioned, the best prices are going to be – It actually, it depends on what you're trying to sell, but chances are the best prices are going to be overseas. A couple of ways to do this. You can go on Alibaba to look for Chinese vendors. Globalsources.com is another source. Going to trade shows in China, which is what my wife and I typically do every other year. Wait, what was the second one? Global Source? Globalsources.com. Globalsources.com. The first one is Alibaba. And yeah. going to going physically going to trade physically shows. Going to, the, actually, that option is incidentally the best one because all the vendors in China, they all congregate in this one area and you can hit all, you know, a whole bunch of vendors mm. in the course of two or three days. Whereas if you go the Alibaba route and you're emailing back and forth, getting samples, the process is just a whole lot longer. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So we, we're looking now for vendors where we can buy these um, products <laughs> Um, these physical products, potentially buy them at these different sources. Um, mm-hmm. The best one is to be there physically. Everyone can't do that. So we have places like Alibaba and Global Sources. 
That's correct. Okay. Now, what what kinds of things? Well, I'm sure you have a process for this, but what kinds of things are we looking for? Yeah. So first thing I do is I just reach out. Let's let's just assume that we're not going to China. Yeah. Let's assume um, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I just sent an email saying, "Hey, I'm interested in this and this product. Please give me just a price quote, minimum order quantities, and lead times for that item." Price quote, minimal order quantities, and lead times. Okay. Yeah. And what I'm looking for also is a product that I can put my own brand on. Okay. And usually what I do next is I ask for samples. So I'll just buy like two or three of them just to inspect product quality. Okay. And those get shipped over. And usually once I get this product, I see whether the quality is good. And hopefully during the niche research process, you're not just selling another item that someone else is selling. It's important to pick something where you can improve upon it or put your own spin on a particular product. Got it. Okay. And so when you, as you're examining this product, you want to look for all the possible flaws and then document exactly how you want the product to be produced by the manufacturer. Uh, I call this a quality control checklist. Okay. And the reason for this is uh, the manufacturer is going to be making thousands and thousands of this item. And unless you specify every last detail of what you want, they are going to cut corners or maybe not intentionally, but they will ship you stuff that might be damaged in some way. Okay. okay so you have to specify everything. Got it. So, so in other words, you, you want to make sure you're specifying like the packaging and so on, because you're saying it can be damaged when it comes to you. I'll give you an example. Okay. So we sell linen napkins and you would think that a piece of cloth is, is pretty standard, right? Yeah. But there is color. Like we only sell white, but there's like thousands of shades of white. Got it. Um, you have to specify the fabric thickness, how you want the hems to look, how you want it to be packaged. All those things have to be very clearly specified. And how do you get an idea? Because someone that's not educated in this market, uh, in whatever, in, in in terms of selling physical products, may not know what to look for. Is well, you have a sample that... in your hand, right? Got it. Yep. So based on the sample that you have in your hand, you're specifying all the little details that you like about that sample gotcha. and stuff that you want changed, and you're gotcha. documenting it very carefully. And is it better to, to err on the side of being too picky? Oh, absolutely. Got it. No question. Got it. So yeah. be as picky as possible. Get as much, um, give as much information about exactly how you want this product to be manufactured so that when it's all, because you said that you're looking for something that you can put your brand on. And if mm -hmm. you're putting your brand on something, you want it to be as good quality as possible. Yeah. And so I'll give you an example of, of when we screwed up and that didn't happen. So one oh, yeah, time we were great. just negotiating on price and we didn't have, we had a very general product guideline. We were like, hey, we got a sample. Just make another one just like this. Is basically what we said. Yeah. And oh, by the way, uh, we want a we want to save money on this. Can you do anything about the price? <laughs> and he ended up cutting it like 15%. And we're like, oh, this is great. And he ended up sending us stuff that was like a lot thinner. It looked aesthetically exactly yeah. the same, but the fabric was way too thin. Gotcha. So this is what I mean. Unless you specify a bunch of stuff, they're just going to cut corners. It might look the same. And if you just hand them something and say, hey, just make this exactly the same way. Uh-huh. It's not going to necessarily be the exact same way. All right. So take-home message is be, be very picky, um, be very detail-oriented, and let them know exactly what you're looking for. And this all comes into play, too, because this list that you're creating is going to be important. Because when you make that bulk order, 
you're going to want to, if it's a big order, mm -hmm. you're going to probably want to hire an inspector to inspect it in China before it's shipped to you. Okay. Okay. And guess what the inspector is going to need? They are going to need this checklist Got because it. they're going to need to know what to look for in that product to make sure that it meets your guidelines. Got it. All right. Okay. So th this benefits us in many ways in terms of the manufacturing, but in terms of um, so that the inspector knows exactly what he needs to be looking for. Now, let, 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 me, let me ask this question. Let's say you go through this entire process. You pick out the types of linens that you want or whatever it is you're selling, a yoga mat or whatever the case might be. You have all of these checklists, this checklist of items. Uh, you send it over to the manufacturer. They create the product. It goes to the inspector, and the inspector sees, you know what, this doesn't meet the specifications that you have. What happens at that point? That is a good thing because it was caught in China rather than the U.S., Right. But are you are you are you paying for these things in advance? Are you paying? Oh for yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay, yeah. So there's usually payment terms. You usually put twenty or thirty percent down. Got it. And you pay the rest upon completion. Okay, so if it's not what it needs to be, it goes back to them. They work on it again, and yeah. then so that's how you ensure that or make it more likely that you're getting a good quality product. That's correct. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so where were we? So you obviously don't want to place that bulk order right away. So typically what I do next is I place a smaller order. And there's a little bit of finagling there because they often demand certain minimum order quantities. Mm -hmm. But depending on how they perceive you, mm -hmm. like if they know that you're serious, mm -hmm. they'll be much more flexible. Got it. So whenever I contact anyone, I act like a big shot. Mm. It's pretty important. And I always make sure I'm contacting them as if I'm not the owner of the company, like I'm just some buyer as part of some large organization. But the large organization is like some large organization. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if they perceive that you're a serious player, oftentimes you can then place like a neck, a test order of maybe like a, a hundred units or so, a couple hundred units. Okay. And once you get those units, and it's still not going to be a huge investment depending on what you sell, you want to list those on Amazon and just make sure you can sell them. Got it. And, you know, you also want to put, uh, it depends on how you want to proceed, but usually if things don't sell, you also want to be able to liquidate them on eBay. Like eBay is like my, the place where I just kind of liquidate stuff that doesn't sell. Gotcha. I, I think of eBay more like a junkyard or I, we, we get rid of our regular stuff there. Yeah. So the idea is you try to sell on Amazon. If it moves on Amazon, that's great. Got it. Next step is to start your store. If it doesn't move on Amazon, I liquidate it on eBay. And so that way you're kind of safeguarding yourself from from losing money. Got it. So you're going through this multi-step process. You're this is you I mean you're testing all along the way, right? So you're trying yeah, to see I mean you want to be careful, right? Yeah. Um cuz we still have stuff in our garage that never sold because gotcha. we didn't in the beginning. We didn't we didn't do this very well. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so you try to sell it on Amazon. If it doesn't sell, you liquidate it. Um and I um Monty in the chat has a, an interesting question. He says Instead of stocking up on a lot of products, why not just drop ship them to the customers? Yeah. How do you so look drop, at that? Yeah, drop shipping is getting much harder to do these days. Um, one, it, you're selling someone else's products. So that means someone else is selling them. Probably lots of other vendors are selling them too. The margins are not that good. Typical okay. drop shipping margins are in the order of 20% or less. Mm -hmm. um, sure, some people get 30, but typically the margins are going to be a lot less. Couple that with a lot of different sellers and you can easily get into a price war. Got it. Oh, yeah, because if this is a drop shipping company, they probably have a bunch of different people yeah. doing it. And okay, makes sense. Whereas the method I'm prescribing is you're creating your own brand, right? No one else Got is going to be selling this exact same product as you. 
Got it. So twenty, you say it's about a twenty percent margin on drop shipping. What is it when you're doing it the route that you suggest? So the products that I suggest selling on Amazon should carry at least a sixty-six percent margin. Oh wow, that's significant. Yeah. Like for the stuff we sell in our store, some of the stuff we sell is like ninety plus mar- uh, percent margins. Wow. Yeah. Great. That's awesome. Okay, so so we're we're doing this test on Amazon, and now we're gonna assume. Okay, we went through all these, the, the research and so on. So it sold well on Amazon, the first 100 um, items that we purchased yeah. as a test order. Where do we Time go Time to there? place that bulk order. All right. Um, incidentally, we have mutual friend, uh, Tony Anderson. She yep. actually took my class and she ended up not, she ended up doing so well on Amazon this past holiday. She ended up doing $100,000 in a month. Oh, wow. Um, last year. That's a lot. Just on, <laughs> just on Amazon. Um, so she was doing the testing phase on Amazon, like we're describing right now, Uh and it just blew up on Amazon. And so it can easily happen at that point. But in the back of your mind, once you've reached a certain revenue level, you do want to work on your online store because you don't want to build your house on someone else's platform in the long term, at least. All right. So let, let let me ask a few questions here. Um, Because we're talking about going from Amazon to your own store. And we're coming from the the perspective of someone that didn't really have an audience to begin with. They're building this now from scratch. Right. Is the transitioning to uh, uh, your own store a relatively difficult process in terms of getting exposure and getting people to come to your web, your your, your e-commerce store and so on? Especially when you consider the fact that Amazon people are going there, and that's, that's where correct. they trust. So, h- how does that look? Especially if I'm a beginner, it's starting your own site. Obviously, is going to be much harder than selling on Amazon because Amazon does all the work for you. Yeah, right. Lots of problems with selling on Amazon, though, in the long run, because you're building your house on someone else's platform. Gotcha. Lots of if you just Google articles on my blog, lots of horror stories. Got it. Uh, so, going to your own site is is a lot like starting your own blog. Yeah. Right. You got to build your own audience. It takes work. The, the difference is, is that unlike with blogging, where you're not really making any money in the beginning, uh-huh. you it's it's hard to pay for traffic when you're blogging. Yeah. Whereas with a store, you're making money when you're driving traffic right away because you're selling something. Mm-hmm. So you can pay for your traffic early on. Got it. And make sales early on before your site starts ranking and before you start building a presence. Got it. Okay, so next question that I have for you, this is kind of going in a different direction slightly, but do you sell any physical products from your other online presence? My my wife quit her job or is that all digital? That's all digital. That's all yeah. digital. Okay, I, yeah. I, I thought that would be the case because I'm thinking through, I think this interview is going to be great for many of the listeners in my audience. Not as much for me with what I'm doing with Become a Blogger because I can't really think through any physical products that would make sense trying to sell um, from from what I'm doing on Become a Blogger. So I just wanted to see, you know, where your focus is with that. Yeah. So having done a whole bunch of different business models, yeah. so I have the physical product store, I have my blog, I have a podcast, and then I run a digital course, right? So they all have different pros and cons. Yeah. So if you're a total beginner and you're not, you haven't done anything yet, if you want to make money sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. I recommend going the physical product route because you're selling something right away. If you have a longer term horizon, then blogging is good. Like let's say your horizon is three to five years. Blogging is great because once you have that audience built, then the money just flows in. But you know what I'm thinking? My other blog is a biology blog. 
And I could see a situation where you, it's called interactive biology. But what if you had interactive biology branded microscopes or Petri dishes or different things that you would use in a lab and so on? I could see how something like that could work in a niche like that. So micros- okay, so microscopes and what, whatever you sell has to have some sort of value proposition. Right? Yeah. If you're just selling knockoffs... Uh, in the long run, that's probably not going to be a good thing because someone also just created another knockoff and yeah. undercut you in price, right? Gotcha. Unless you are able to create a nice brand around it. And so blogging and e-commerce kind of go hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. Because once you have your own site, well, how are you going to get traffic? There's Google, there's Facebook, there's social media, there's comparison shopping engines and all the different pay-per-click advertising services, right? Yeah. So let's talk about just ranking in search, for example. You need a blog. Yep. And the best way to build a brand is to kind of put yourself out there, put out great content, whether it be video, Instagram, or, or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. So they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Stuff to think about. I like it. Okay. So now we're placing this bulk order. And what what okay. do you consider to be a bulk order? A bulk order is probably 500 plus units. Okay. Okay, so we, we, we're, we're taking it to the next level. Um, we purchase 500 units or 1,000 units or whatever the case might be. And then from there, do we try to you know, sell that on Amazon again? We try to sell it on Amazon. So let's, let's, assume you, um, let's assume you get 500 units. Yeah. I would then probably go and give away 50 to 100 units Oh. in return for reviews. Interesting. Okay, and that'll kind of jumpstart your visibility on Amazon. Got it. And after doing that, Wait, but no, um, before we before we move oh, on from that, okay, how do you sorry. how do you decide who to give these units to? Yes, okay, yes. There's different services that do this. Okay, uh, where you actually have to pay some money because uh, these services they have lists of people who are just willing to get free product gotcha. in return for a review. So in my class, I actually have a private review form. Um, I have a Facebook group where you can do this too. And there's services out there like Snagshot, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, Review Kick is one from my friend, creator of Jungle Scout. That one is is free still, I believe. You can actually go there and try it out. Basically, you just want to get some visibility, initial visibility in Amazon. Now, with that, are they then are are you are they required to say because I've been seeing this mu- much more <clears throat> on Amazon? This review has been given in exchange for free product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they changed their policies relatively recently, and yeah, you do have to specify. Okay. Yeah. And I think that that kind of deals with the ethical aspect of it. People are creating these um they they're doing these reviews but at least they're letting you know okay this review is my honest review but I was given this product as a review item and mm-hmm. I'm and I'm leaving my honest feedback of it. And I think that's I think that's an ethical way of going about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean I, you, you probably shop on Amazon, right? Yeah. All yeah. the time. Too much. So I need to stop I shopping much don't on Amazon. Buy anything that doesn't have any reviews. <laughs> Typically, I, I actually go through and read the re- depending on what I'm buying, but usually I'll I'll skim through them, right? Yeah. Got it. Okay. So we 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 give out these 50 units, we get some reviews going hopefully. Hopefully our product is a good product because we've gone through this entire process of having the inspector go through the checklist that we've created and all that good stuff. And then what do we do? Then you sit back and you wait and see when sales come in. I mean, Amazon, there's not, there's not much to it, right? There's, they, they have their own pay-per-click advertising, okay. which I recommend that you use. But Amazon really is about you know, making sure your listing looks good and keeping the inventory up to, up to stock. Okay. So 
not much to it there, right? Okay. Once you've hit like a certain revenue, like maybe a thousand a month or so, then you know you should start working on your own website. That's where most of the work is going to be. Got it. That's when you start working on your own website. Now, anything else we need to talk about about the Amazon aspect of you know getting things going and building your business there before we go on to this whole build your own shop thing? Yeah, I mean, with Amazon, there's not much to it Got on it. the surface. Uh, there's all, all these problems that can arise. I, I don't know how much you want to get into that, but you know, I, I, I'm going to assume that the problems could go in so many different directions okay. <laughs> that it probably doesn't make sense for us to go deep into that. So let's now transition. We have a good understanding of how that works. Let's transition now to, I want to start my own store. Okay. How do I go about doing that? Where do I start? Uh, that's a very, we're not going to be here till four really, are we? So, we can, if you want, no, I'm just, <laughs> no, you got, you got to tell me all of the answers in the next five minutes or so. <laughs> I'll try to summarize. I mean, yeah. first things first, um, come up with your domain and then you got to pick a platform. Okay. That, so, and that's what I want to talk about, especially like which platform, what, what are the good platforms that I should be exploring? I'm going to assume that we can go into all the details, but where should we be looking? Yeah. So... I'm actually a huge proponent of open source. So to give you an example, like when you recommend someone start a blog, you recommend they go on WordPress, WordPress right? Yep. So for a store, I recommend OpenCart. It's like the same thing as WordPress. Well, it's not quite, but it's, it's, anal- it's analogous to WordPress for e-commerce. Got it. You control the code. You customize it yourself. You don't have to pay anyone any money. Now, is it the type of thing where, I mean, with WordPress, you can get different themes and so on, and it's... Yes, you can get different themes, you can get plugins. It's not as nice as WordPress, okay. but it's the same principle. Same concept. So okay. me, as a, a beginner, if I could figure out Word... Can I safely say, if, if I can figure out how to do all the things I need to do in WordPress, I could figure out how to do all the things that I need to do in open, um, open Cart to get started? Probably not. It's, it's harder. It's harder. Okay. It's harder. So you have to have a certain personality gotcha. in order to make it work. Okay. Now, so okay. then would you recommend then if I don't have this certain personality to maybe outsource that and get someone to build a store for you? Or is it the type of thing where you want to um, get your hands in it? So it really depends on your personality. So like I said, when I teach the class, I have people try the, so there's two, there's two types. There's open source and there's fully hosted. Okay. So on the fully hosted end where they do everything for you, there's like the Shopify's and the big commerces. Those are the two that I recommend. Okay. I recommend that you test drive all of them in the long run. Like I'll give you just a quick example of when you're going fully hosted and you're building on someone else's platform they can change their prices at any time. Gotcha. They can change their features at any time. And mm-hmm. it's happened several times with both Shopify and Big Commerce. Okay. Just out of the blue, they'll change their prices. When you own your own shopping cart, that can't happen to you. Got it. Okay. But it's more complicated of to course. go open source. Um, you probably deal with WordPress problems, problems all the time. Most Same definitely. thing with open cart. So it really depends on your personality. If you just want to be selling and not have to worry about anything else, go full, um, go fully hosted. Got it. If you're willing to tinker and you want to save money and be in control of your platform later on, then put your energy in OpenCart. Got it. All right. We can go on probably for hours and hours and, and all that stuff, but we can't. <laughs> right. So if someone wants to find out a little more about how to 
you know, sell physical products and build their store and, and, and get going on Amazon and all these things, where should we send them? Uh, you can just go on mywifequitterjob.com. Right there on the front page is a sign-up form. I have a six-day mini course where I actually walk you through all the tools that I use, an evaluation of all the platforms, how to accept credit cards and everything. Just a very good introduction to e-commerce. Awesome. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to transition right now to the action step. So let's go. Someone just listened to this entire is this entire episode and they are excited about physical products they want to know what do i do right now what are you going to tell them what are the action steps what are you going to do right now in terms of physical products okay start brainstorming um just start fooling around with some of the tools most of them that i've mentioned in this episode have free trials okay so there's no harm in just giving them a try terapeak has a seven-day free trial i think jungle scout has a free trial just download the tools and just start seeing what's out there and just start brainstorming. That's awesome. the first step. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Thank Hey, Steve, thank you so much for, for this episode. I know people are going to be, the wheels are going to be spinning and um, that's awesome. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. You are very much welcome. All right. So I hope you got a lot of value from this episode. And if you want to find out more about this whole physical products thing, head on over to My Wife Quit Her Job. I love the name, by the way. <laughs> .com. My Wife Quit Her Job.com. Uh, lots of value over there. Hey, next week, we got some exciting things coming up. This is episode number 247. But next week, we're going to be talking about how to create a social media strategy for your blog. So we're going to talk about things. Things like how to how to determine which social media site is right for you. Once you've made that determination, how do you set up a strategy? And and setting up that strategy, how do you automate as much as possible so that you can be as efficient as possible? So make sure to come back next week and check that out. This was episode number two hundred and forty-seven. If you want the resources for this episode, all of the tools that we mentioned, becomeablogger.com/slash two four seven. If you missed anything, it'll be there. If you know someone that would find value in this don't don't keep it to yourself share it with them tell them to go to becomeablogger.com slash podcast and they can find this episode and every other episode and if you're trying to start a blog where you can create content inspire others and change the world free blogging videos.com that's my free course where you can learn exactly how to do it and if you want to take it to the next level bloggercoaching.com join the coaching club all right, this is Leslie Summer from becomeablogger.com where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, take care and God bless.